0: Episode of the Sweaty Penguin is brought to you by Frozen Yogurt. Do you wish ice cream tasted bad? Try Frozen Yogurt today. Is COP 26 worthwhile? Or is it just a bunch of blah, blah, blah? Good Friday morning. I'm Ethan Brown, and this is Tip of the Iceberg. The first of what I hope will be many tips of the iceberg, where I will break down some environmental news and then answer a question from one of our listeners on the air. If you have a question about the latest environmental news, about a past episode, any environmental question at all, you can send it in via Patreon, you can email it to sweatypenguinnews at gmail.com, you can even submit it on our social media. If you do join our Patreon, though, your question will go to the front of the line, so be sure to sign up at patreon.com slash the sweaty penguin. The UN Climate Change Conference in Glasgow, more commonly known as COP26, has been going on since October 31st, Halloween actually, because the only thing scarier than climate change is going to a conference. Seriously, conferences sound so cool before you get there, and then you go and find out, oh, it's just listening to speeches and panels for several days straight. No matter how much you're into the conference, you'll spend half hiding in your hotel room, and the other half drinking Red Bull out of your coffee mug, trying not to fall asleep. In the lead up to the conference, during the conference, even after a lot of the speeches and pledges had been made, there seemed to be a lot of pessimism. There was a feeling that the result of this conference would either be nothing, or it would be some pledge or treaty or something that not only didn't do enough, but wouldn't be followed through on. Now, we know at this point that stuff did happen. It was sort of like Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson. We know something's going on, but are we going to get a full-blown long-lasting commitment? Who's to say? But a lot has happened, actually. World leaders put together plans to end and reverse deforestation by 2030, India pledged to go carbon neutral by 2070, The fast fashion industry pledged to go carbon-neutral by 2050, and world leaders plan to cut global methane emissions by 30% by 2030, methane being the greenhouse gas that is the second-largest contributor to global warming behind carbon dioxide. And before you ask, no, the plan isn't to remove beans from 30% of the world's diets, as much as that would improve our elevators. Essentially, a number of pledges took place that, if followed through on, would be a very big deal. But I understand why. A lot of people are looking at this and saying, that's not enough, or I don't believe you. These seem less like pledges for a frat that become your entire personality, and more like No Nut November pledges, easily broken and not enough to address the scope of the problem. And while I don't disagree with this frustration, I also don't know how constructive it is in this particular context. Listen to our International Accountability episode, or one of our episodes on the United Nations Environment Program. The dilemma we have in protecting the climate and environment on the global scale is that there is no global government. There is not a leader of the world that can make laws to be followed by every single human on the planet. And thank goodness, right? I mean, what if the world elected Nikocado Avocado? And even the UN is just countries meeting up to find ways to collaborate and help each other. There's really nothing binding. Because each country can do whatever it wants, the UN can't just make a law that everyone has to cut carbon emissions or everyone has to make pulled pork out of jackfruit. Countries have to come to agreements— And if you've ever tried to get a group of three to agree on a restaurant for dinner, you can imagine getting all 195 countries on earth on board with anything is like pulling teeth. Even if all of them say they're hungry and want pasta, where are you going to go? Olive Garden? Buca di Beppo? Somewhere actually good? If you want every country in the world to agree to your agreement, all 195 of them, then the agreement has to serve the lowest common denominator. It has to align with whichever country wants to do the least. And then, once all of you have signed that agreement, who's going to make you follow it? Sure, we can roast your country on TikTok, but again, there's nothing to make sure the agreement happens. Countries have to want to sign it, want to follow through on it, and have the tools to follow through on it. And that's really tough to achieve with nearly 200 countries. They should be motivated, not just because of wildfires and hurricanes and droughts and heat waves, but because climate action also has the opportunity to help health, justice, national security, and the economy. There's been this environment versus economy idea out there for a long time, but the sweaty penguin basically debunks that every single week. So they should be motivated. They should be Tony Robbins on Ritalin. But as motivated as they may be, the most that can happen at this conference is a few flashy speeches, pledges, and treaties. So no, nothing that comes out of COP26 is going to seem like anything special. It'll feel like stopping a leaking fire hose with paper towels, and not bounty ones, but those brown ones from elementary school bathrooms that disintegrate when they're even in the same room as a liquid. But as far as international treaties go, I don't know how much it helps to be angry and demand more, because world leaders just don't have that option. We know they all agree that climate change is real and an imminent threat. We knew that in 2015 when they signed the Paris Climate Accord. You can like the Paris Accord or hate the Paris Accord, there's certainly pros and cons, but all of them signing a piece of paper that acknowledged the danger of climate change is a big deal. But now they're trying to solve it. On the local level, you can do a lot. On the national level, you can do a lot. On the international level, speeches, pledges, and treaties are really all you can do. Watching activists essentially declare COP26 dead on arrival, Penn State climatologist Michael Mann said, let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. The COP process is the only viable multilateral vehicle we have right now for global climate action. So as frustrating as this process may be, as much as we'd love to demand in the heat of the moment that leaders do more, and as little a chance there is that anyone my age knows what throwing the baby out with the bathwater means, COP26 can't fix climate change or do anything resembling that. It's just a chance for countries to hear each other out, set some goals, and then go home to figure out a way to solve them. And they did set some pretty good goals. Now comes the real work, making sure they follow through. Do you ever eat ice cream and think, this tastes too good? If so, frozen yogurt is for you. With frozen yogurt, you can get the same amount of methane emissions from your cow, but instead of making something yummy, you'll make something terrible. Cool! Frozen yogurt. The best way to condescend about how healthy you are while eating Oreos and gummy worms. Welcome back to Tip of the Iceberg, it's time for Ask Me Anything, where our listeners get a chance to ask me any environmental questions they may have. Submit questions on our Patreon email or social media, questions from patrons go to the front of the line, so be sure to sign up today at patreon.com slash the sweaty penguin. Today's Ask Me Anything comes from Lawrence Harris, who says, Congratulations on your news scoop about PFAS, long before anybody knew what it was. Since the entire environmental community listens to the sweaty penguin, you have unleashed a sleeping giant, and now everyone is on the case. At least it diverts their attention from cow farts and the attendant threat to my ribeye steaks. Where do you expect your next environmental scoop to come from? Tom Brady's retirement, perhaps? Well, there's a lot to unpack there. I don't think ribeye stakes are under threat even with this new global methane pledge. We can and should find a way to have both. But to your main point, I was actually becoming familiar with PFAS in the summer of 2018. I was interning and we were keeping a close eye on a meeting that the Environmental Protection Agency was holding to discuss PFAS. So the environmental world, has had PFAS high on the concern list for at least a few years now. But you're right, it didn't come into the national spotlight until pretty recently for whatever reason, so I'm glad it seemed like we had some kind of inside scoop. As for where our next would come from, there's always toxins people don't know about, maybe fine particulate matter will gain some attention, but when I think of what's concerning environmental scientists that might not be as mainstream, I think of correlated extreme weather events. We've talked about this a little bit on the Sweaty Penguin, including in the worker productivity episode two weeks ago. Correlated extreme weather events refer to cases where extreme weather happens either at the same time, back-to-back, or in many areas at once. For example, you could have a heat wave and a rainstorm at the same time. You could have two hurricanes back to back. We saw that with Hurricane Laura and Delta in 2020 and Hurricanes Henry and Ida this year. Or you could have heat waves all happen at the same time around the country. Scientists are concerned, and they're just learning about this, but they're concerned because these correlated extreme weather events have the potential to be a lot worse than the sum of the two parts. If it's hot and wet to the extreme, you might see disease spike in ways you wouldn't if it were just one or the other, or you might see crops fail when they would normally survive either one of those two conditions. If there's two hurricanes back to back, Soil might be able to drain if the hurricanes were spread out, but back-to-back, it might not. It might lead to some really bad erosion. That's just one thing that could happen. If you have heat waves happen at the same time around the country, you might have the same crop fail in multiple regions at once, which would have a huge impact on food availability and the market, whereas that crop failing in one region might not matter as much to the entire market. So you can see how these correlated extremes, these scenarios, which are quickly increasing in frequency and severity as climate change worsens, are really, really scary. Now that's a lot harder to put in a news headline than PFAS bad, but I do think as scientists start to game out more of these scenarios, and unfortunately we start to see them play out in real life more and more, correlated extreme weather events will inevitably enter the mainstream. I don't want to say we have any sort of inside scoop beyond our willingness to read academic papers every week, but I do hope enough people tune into The Sweaty Penguin to allow us to bring some of these lesser-known issues into the mainstream. That's certainly our goal here each and every week. Thank you so much for the question. Thanks to all of you who listened to our first Tip of the Iceberg Remember, you can get a shout-out at the end of the show by leaving a 5-star rating and a review on Apple or Podcast Addict. That helps boost us in their algorithms. The other way to get a shout-out is to join our Patreon. And we've got a new patron this week, too, Mike Amate. Thank you so much for joining our Patreon. It really helps us out. Remember, when you join our Patreon, you'll get not just a shout out, but merch, bonus content, a chance to win a signed book from one of our experts, and you can get your questions answered on Tip of the Iceberg. Head to patreon.com slash the sweaty penguin to unlock all that cool stuff and help grow the show. We'll be back with a normal episode next week, but we have another Tip of the Iceberg scheduled for Black Friday. So while you're in line for a $30 TV, be sure to tune in.